El podcast más chingón. Puras entrevistas machín. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You get a free audiobook. It's free. It's a free download of your book of choice. And you get a 30-day free trial. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash what did he said. Again, that's over 180,000 titles to choose from. That's for your phone, your Android, your Kindle, MP3 player. If you can't find nothing you like in that 180,000 titles, I can't do nothing for you, player. But thank you to Audible for hooking up the listeners of the What Did He Said podcast. Again, this is limited time only, man. You're going to get hooked up fat. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash what did he said. Thank you. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the What Did He Said podcast. It's your boy, Chingle Bling. If you hear that noise in the background, it's because uh, Houston is hot as hell. And uh, I can't handle humidity anymore now that I got back from L.A. But uh, we got Rob, the producer, in the house. What's up, everyone? Mighty Soul is running some crazy errands today. But we have a very special guest, Mr. Sam Damaris. Hey, what's up? Represent the comedy, man. Comedy yeah, game. Yeah, in uh, the LA weather, that'll get you spoiled as shit, yeah. won't it? Yeah, it's nice, man. So can I say that on here? Of course. Okay. 100%. Yeah, you can do. You can say, do whatever. Um, so I was I was doing a little spot at the uh, at Rudyard's, and I ran into Sam, and I'm like, you know, uh, Sam, you mentioned you you stay in LA now. Yeah, man. I moved out to Hollywood because I'm stupid. Uh, <laughs> that city is. LA would be the best city in the world if you got rid of like six million of those people. Man, for real. And if I Make got some to pick space. them. Yeah, and then right? you pick them. Yeah, I'd do that shit a weekend. You know what I mean? Like Kardashians. There's 11 gone right there. Yeah. I, I just started. That's three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> every dude who comes up. I'm already up, doing good. Yeah, like. yeah, every dude who comes up, you want to buy my mix CD? Get the fuck yeah. out. You're done. Come here. Get, get in out. that van. Get in that van right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, up. yeah. I want to hear your CD. Yeah, put, put it. Get in that van. Yeah, put it on in the van. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I just put a sticker on you and they airlift you out like Mario Kart and drop your ass off in Utah or some shit. With some drones and <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah. Wyoming, Montana. Free ride to Utah, baby. So, uh, man, you know, I've met you a few times, but you're definitely known as like a staple of the Houston comedy scene. Like, uh, definitely a veteran, man. Yeah, I've been around. Uh, I started here in Houston in 2001 and uh, I just stayed here till uh, 2016. And I moved out to L.A., honestly, like, overnight because somebody pissed me off. Really? <laughs> yeah. What was it, a breakup or something? No, man. It was a club owner, man. Oh. I was, uh, so I had been trying to move to L.A. for, like, six years. Uh-huh. And this dude, he would always middle me, and I kept asking him to bump me up the headline. Mm-hmm. And his gigs were drivable from here. But, so I, I was working for him in Oklahoma City, right? And uh, it was Sunday night when I got paid. And I was like, hey, man, so what about moving me up to headline your rooms? And he was like... Yeah, I'm just not sure. I was like, you know, this time next year, I'm be living in L.A., so your, your gigs won't be drivable anymore. I'm not yeah. coming out here for middle act money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he's like, you've been telling me you're going to move to L.A. for six years and you still live in Houston. Oh. Damn. Damn. Bruh, and my, you were like, bitch. My brother-in-law works for United Airlines, so I get like $60, $70 one ways anyway. Mm. Bro, I walked out of that club. I called my sister that night. I was like, get me on the first thing smoking in Los Angeles. I landed in L.A. on Monday. I woke up hungover as shit Tuesday on the floor of my empty apartment. So you so you landed and you had an apartment lined up already in L.A.? Uh, so my, my my roommate, he was already living out there for like 10 years. Oh, and his okay. lease was up, so he was couch crashing with somebody. 
And I called him. I was like, I'm coming. Let's go find a place. Uh-huh. And he was like, I got this place in mind, but it ain't going to last long. I was like, let's go there tomorrow. And I landed in L.A. He picked me up at the airport. We went, filled out all the shit. They were like, approved. They gave me the key. We went out and got drunk. Dude, I woke up Tuesday in that apartment. I didn't even remember what the hell I did. And then I just was like, oh, Some shit. L.A. shit, yeah. I was like, do I live in L.A. now? <laughs> Where the fuck am I? And then I, I did. And so I, I had to fly back to Oklahoma City to get my car. And then and I then drive it to Cali. And then no, and then drive it back down here oh. and tell everybody I don't live here no more. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? To all your stuff uh, in Houston? Uh, a lot, a lot of it's still here, but okay. you know, it took me a while. That was October, and then it wasn't until June when I took my car and it, it, all like, like the big stuff out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I just moved to LA like overnight. I, yeah, because honestly, um, one thing we realized, you know, we were out there for the month with kids and you know wife and everybody uh, no babysitter but one thing we realized is like you can kind of just start over like you don't have to haul all your shit you know pretty much damn near like they say everything's like replaceable especially like babies toys they're all plastic anyway i mean you can go to big lots and buy like just she likes to play with the empty box anyway you yeah know what I mean? uh random shit but um but yeah man how you feel like in terms of the amount of opportunity that's out there Dude, there's, there's, there's so much stuff that you don't even think about Like when you get out there. You know what I mean? Like, I went out like, oh, I want to go out. I want to do comedy spots, and I want to get on, like, a TV show or whatever. Man, I'm about to start taking this voiceover acting mm-hmm. class. Uh, there's all kinds of shit, man. And I, I, I wish I would have gone out when I was younger because I ended up at a party once with all these, uh, these stuntmen mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you can do it. You know what I mean? I'm like, eh. Stunt work. Yeah, I'm like, Shit. I'm a little too old for that now. Like, if I would have gone out when I was 25, that's what I'd be doing right now. But there's so many opportunities for shit that you didn't even think of out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. You can just get a job doing anything in the entertainment industry. Yeah. There's dudes out there who all their job is to go set up food, and they make bank. Yeah, craft service people. Yeah, they yeah. make bank. Yeah. And I I think, like, that within a week, I went and sat at a taping of Jimmy Kimmel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I was like, this is this is great. You know what I mean? Just yeah, sitting there, Jim Kimmel's s- right there. And then he was like, I want to introduce my first guest, Matthew McConaughey. He walked out, and I was like, I'm gay now, I guess. Because <laughs> that dude, he, he's... he's when, he, when, it, when he addressed, kind of got a little tingle. Like, yes. Oh. <laughs> if Sunshine could talk, <laughs> that would be funny. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> That's why they got him in those Lincoln commercials. Yeah. Damn right. Acting all weird and shit. <laughs> yeah, playing pool and shit. Um. What was I gonna ask you about uh <clears throat> about LA? I had a question. Was your is your goal like to be just in the industry or to make it as just solely a comic? You know what, man? I I don't know. Um, right now, the voiceover thing I think is great because um, it's it's weird when you put a camera in front of my face. It's so hard for me to not look at that camera. Hmm. But I mean, listen to my voice. It, it sounds it's 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 not normal. <laughs> So I'm like, yeah, you put me in a voiceover booth, voice of some cartoon or some shit like that, but I don't got to worry about not looking at a camera. I can pretty much be picking my nose, doing whatever the hell I want. That sounds perfect. Plus, man, people don't know. Do you get into a kid's cartoon Oh man, that, that kids like? Oh, yeah, that's money. Yeah, you're done. That, that guy who voices SpongeBob, you don't know who he is. Super but guess what? He'll never work again in his life. One time I was in the, <laughs> I was in the lift, and the driver lady, she was telling me that... uh. Her baby daddy was uh is the voice of uh he did like Winnie the Pooh. This is an old older lady. 
Winnie the Pooh, uh, Optimus Prime. What? Like she just started naming. His, she was like, "Yeah, you never heard of like Phil Franco or some yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Some Optimus. fucking. You know his name? I, yeah, I, I forgot his name. No, but I think yeah. that is his name. It's I something it's like Franco. that. But she just like she commenced to like the whole ride, just just tearing him a new one. Like this son of a bitch, you never believe what the fuck he did one day. And uh, this lady says she used to do comedy too. And then she started telling me these crazy stories about uh, I used to work for Frank Sinatra's son, and I don't take any shit. And he loved it. <laughs> you know that's why he hired me. I was like, hey. You got a lot of nerve or whatever. <laughs> One of them type of people because yeah. the Uber and drivers out there be interesting. And, and, and that's why you're driving the fucking Uber. Right. Huh? Interesting. You know? yeah. <laughs> you know all that shit. They just, uh, since the new Toy Story came out, did y'all see the side-by-side of Tim Allen and uh, Tom Hanks doing the voiceovers in the late 80s, early 90s, and then still them doing it now? In the oh, no, I haven't seen the computer. Pretty cool. Really cool video. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. But again, bank. Yeah. Bank. I'm a, I'm a toy cowboy. Yeah. And... Well, not like Tom Hanks needed any more right. loot, but again, it's. I guarantee you, when Tom Hanks started acting, he did not think I'm gonna make a hundred million dollars being a toy cowboy. Well, Eddie Murphy, he's made more money from Shrek than he did from anything else in his career. Yes. You, ser- you serious? Yeah, he made more money from Donkey, uh, from being Donkey really? Shrek than he did from anything else. I wouldn't doubt it. Oh, residuals I mean, you think about and everything. It. I'll bring it up. You but. think about it like when Eddie Murphy's heyday was like back in the '80s, they weren't even paying what they pay now. You know what I mean? Beverly Hills Cop, it's funny as all hell, but, you know, you could buy a good car for like $5,000 back then. You know what I mean? So now when he's getting paid off of that, it's probably ridiculous. Yeah, he was doing arenas and stadiums and all type of shit. Also, speaking of voiceovers and and comedians, there's a cat in California. His name is Jeff Garcia. He did the... um, I don't know, Jeff. uh, Jimmy Neutron, or he did some voice on uh, on a cartoon. Uh, mm-hmm. And and he Which got like he got super paid like that was like his uh like his little lotto ticket damn he yeah, got man. on that though <laughs> Jeff uh, I opened for him God years ago and he used to do this thing where he would just talk talk to people in the crowd or whatever and he'd ask them questions about themselves and at the end of the show he would close the show he would go left to right and he would make up a story based on all the shit that they said. What the fuck? And he like remembered, callback? Wow. Yes, he remembered every single thing he talked to these people about, and that's how he closed the show. And he would do it, and he would be drinking on stage where I'm like, bro, one shot, and I don't remember a damn yeah. thing this person said. Wow. But he had it. He was a... Uh, Jeff was good, man. I, I don't know. Is he still really out there hustling stand-up? Um, I mean, I, I've never met him, but I've heard that um, you know, he's still out on the West Coast popping up here and there. Cause it was like it was like, I don't know if it was Last Comic Standing or if it was another show that Comedy Central had that was like Last Comic Standing, where he made the show, made it to the house. It was like, yeah, fuck this, and just walked out. <laughs> what? On which show? Oh wait, wait, he quit. Yeah, it was like a reality show. Yeah, it was or like a reality like show with a bunch of comics. Well, you he know, was like it's bullshit. He I, left. I heard about that. It, it was like Theo Vaughn. I want to say like Burt Kreischer, them kind of folks. They were talking about it on a podcast. They were like, yeah, fucking Jeff Garcia. Like, he he quit, and they just started naming, like, people that dropped out and like or whatever. Yeah, but he was the first one, and the, it, it happened on air. He was like, yeah, no, this is dumb. I'm not fucking doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it's, a, it's, it's one of those shots that every comic, like, a lot of comics would just kill to have. Yeah. And no matter how stupid it was, they'd be like, you know what? I don't care. I'm yeah, getting yeah. a check. I'm on TV. Jeff was like, nah, man, you ain't fucking up my brand. Yeah. I'm out. He probably had that Jimmy Neutron money already, too. Right. <laughs> so uh, Forbes named him one of the highest paid voice actors. Uh, for the first one, he made $3 million. The second and third, he made $10 million for each movie. 
So around like 30 million just for the projects and then the residuals, who knows? I don't know how that works. Yeah. Because uh, the movie made over 300 million in 1998. Yeah, and that's interesting. Yeah, voice acting, that's a whole nother thing. Um, my buddy Jerry Garcia, he did a voice on this cartoon called uh, Ploey. It's, uh, I think it's on HBO or something like that. But yeah, voice acting, yeah, you do have, you definitely have like a, a character. I don't want to call it cartoonish, right? You're going to give me. <laughs> no, no, no. I want like people I, to think it's cartoonish. That's like, the yeah, whole close goal. My, let me close my eyes and uh, picture yes, it. Yeah. Make sure that you call it cartoonish so people who hire yeah, for yeah, cartoons yeah. hear this fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah. like, it does sell. He'd be perfect for Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, animation is dope, man. Um, They're coming out with a lot of technology that I think is making it. I think they're outsourcing a lot of shit too to like India and like other countries, mm-hmm. Russia, yeah. the techie motherfuckers that um, they'll. That's why all these cartoons look the same now. They don't look how they used to. Mm-hmm. Like um, uh, like we compare, like we'll we'll pay attention to what the kids are watching, and it's like, what the fuck? When did Ninja Turtles start looking like this? That's a good point, man. I never it's thought like, of oh, that. Oh, it's like some CGI shit. They're just the software changed. Yeah, and it's not the same process. They're not having to like, I guess Long draw handed. shit yeah. a certain way. And it's weird, like, I I guess if you're a kid and that's all you knew, uh, that's one thing. But I feel like when I was a kid, if they would have made that shift on me, I'd be like, this is dumb. Yeah. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't like this. I like the Ninja Turtles because it looked like I could have drawn it with a crayon. You know what I mean? That was, yeah, that was yeah. fun I used back to draw then. Ninja Turtles. For real? I still can, yeah. Can you draw? Nah. 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 <laughs> nah. Nah. <laughs> I'm sure if I, you know, if I looked on YouTube, like how to draw, yeah. I could probably figure it out. So in 01, what, what club did like walk me through the process? I'm always fascinated by like what makes people get the courage to first time get on stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, adding the paper. There was a, a, a news, little shitty newspaper called the public news mm-hmm. here in Houston. Back when newspapers used to exist, uh, right? millennials, there was these pieces of paper that yeah. they put words in. And you had to buy ads in. Huh. Sounds archaic. And, uh, yeah, it, it ads. You mean like Google? Yeah, right. Yeah, kind of <laughs> like ads? that. It, it looked like that, except you paid for it, and it was printed on paper. Um, paper was this thing that we made out of trees. The and, thing uh, that used to suck up CO two, which we have too much of. Right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, man, there was a thing in the paper that said, "If you think you're funny, come try stand up comedy." And uh, I was at U of H. I was a theater major in college. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was already a performer, and I was like, I'm going to go do this shit. And I went and I did it, and it was a lot harder than Eddie Murphy made it look. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, ate, I ate shit, and I had no idea why I went back. What club was it? It was a laugh stop. Okay. Over on West Gray. Um, that club was there forever. Made forever rest in peace. It was the best thing that ever happened in the city. Um, but, yeah, and I just kept going back. And we only had one open mic. It was on Monday nights, and it'd be like 50, 60 comics there. One open mic. Yes. So that means you got packed. no time, right? No, everybody got five minutes. Okay. Everybody right. got five minutes, and if you were a pro, you got six. And there were so many comics there that, like, at the end of the night, because you, you had to show up, put your name in a bucket, and they drew, and you picked your spots or whatever. At the end of the night, uh, there'd be people who never got on. And if you didn't get on, they'll write those names down. If you came back the next Monday, you got to pick your spot first before mm-hmm. the drawing ever happened. Mm-hmm. So that's how they kept it fair. Yeah. And, uh, dude, it was it was packed to the rim with people. Like, in the summertime when college wasn't in, that bitch was standing room only at that wow. open mic. And the owner, well, not the owner of the club, the guy who booked the club, like the GM of the club, he sat in the back at every open mic, and he watched every comic go wow. on. Wow. 
And if you crushed, that's how you ended up getting paid work at the show, at, mm. at the club. So it wasn't just an open mic. It was an open mic Audition. of motherfuckers swinging for the fences. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. People dressed up for that open uh. mic. They were like, yeah, man, let's go. Because if, if I go and I crush it, I'll actually get in and work the club. And, bro, like, other comics used to come in from out of town. Like, they would, they would come in and work the club. And, like, the last show would be on Saturday or Sunday. And they would stick around till Tuesday because that's how good the mic was, man. I met Rogan there when I was a kid, uh, Lewis Black, Nick DiPaolo. I mean, all these cats. Mitch Hedberg hung out there a lot. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, man, all these cats, they would stick around. And then they'd go back to L.A. and everything. They'd be like, you got to go to Houston to go see this thing. Like, it's an open mic. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking packed. Oh, I, I've been hearing about it on podcasts. Like, up until, like, last week, I heard people saying, like, oh, that was another thing. Dude, Joey Diaz and Rogan were talking about it like two or three days ago again. Like they oh, yeah, talk about yeah. it all the time. Yes. Yeah. And it was Oh man, I was lucky that I happened to start right in it. You know I, what I mean? I wish I would have started part of me wishes I would have started in 01 cuz in in 01 I graduated from college and that's when nobody was hiring me and I was tired of fucking with them staff agencies and I was starting to dabble in like, well, I guess I'll do real estate school cuz this degree ain't doing shit. <laughs> what was the degree? Uh business administration. Which whatever the fuck that means, you right? Couldn't get a, you couldn't get a job with a BA in like the a south. sales job. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't trying hard enough. Maybe like you know what I say that man. My homeboy's got a BA and he's managing a fucking restaurant. So <laughs> he is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's all in your hustle. I think I, maybe I sucked at interviewing. They could tell I, I didn't want to be there. Mm. <clears throat> but anyway, but he, I, he, when I say he's managing mm-hmm. a restaurant, he didn't get that job managing a restaurant. Because, because of his degree, he got promoted from being a waiter to yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And, so this yeah. was the job he had while he was getting his BA, mm-hmm. and he still got it. Yeah. So obviously he did not find green grass anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard of uh, several cases like that where people was like, yeah, I don't use that degree. They pay me well to manage you know, this, this restaurant. And it's like, I can't think that. of one person that I know, like close friends that are using their degree in their career. Yeah, it's rare. Well, I can't either, but my close friends are fuck ups. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in '01, I started uh, dabbling in, in the music stuff and like mixtapes and you know rapping and stuff, and that started to pick up steam. Although I did go meet uh, Juan Villarreal for like advice. He had a room off of, uh, 45 and telephone. It was like the Island Club or something upstairs. So I was yeah. like, yeah, so it was like 01, 02 maybe. And I was like, I really want to do stand-up. And I was like, hey, man, nice to meet you. I'm from here. I want to do stand-up. What do I do? And he's like, uh, okay, well, have you ever hit an open mic? And it was real brief or whatever. And we ended up linking up later. But um, the music stuff started picking up. But I wonder, I was like, damn, I could have at least experienced that, uh, that uh, laugh stop. That was Latino Comedy House. Yeah, that's what he would call it. Place used to be called. It used to be called the Garibaldi. It was like a little ballroom they did quinceañeras and shit in. Was it the upstairs thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was you like came around. in downstairs and had the big like nice staircase, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's where the ballroom was where people did shit. And then upstairs is where he stuck us. I did that thing because I think for a while he was doing it like every Thursday. I can't remember. Man. I used to go out every Thursday because look, uh, and I'm not saying this because I'm on your podcast trying to kiss your ass. Uh, since I started, Latino crowds have been my favorite crowds to perform for. <laughs> and Juan pulled that out on 45 and Wayside. Mm-hmm. So it was like I knew I could walk in there and just crush. Because Latino audiences come to a show to party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and drink. you just happen to be there. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, black crowds come to a show hostile. Just, motherfucker, you better be funny. <laughs> you better be funny. If he ain't funny, we gonna throw his ass at it. They watch all that Apollo shit, and they're just like, I can boo him off stage and do whatever I want. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> white crowds come in, and they, you know, it's 50-50. Sometimes yeah. they came to parties. Sometimes they came to party too much. They won't shut up. Uh, but then a lot of times they're just like, well, I'm just going to sit here and wait until something Polite. funny happens. Yeah, yeah. politely. You know? Yeah. Latinos, they show up and they're just like, all right, when he stops talking, everybody laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. More buckets. More no, buckets. Shit, yeah. That, down the Rio Grande Valley, man, there's a whole stretch of gigs I used to do every year. And I loved them. I just mm-hmm. go down there, have fun, crush the show, get done with the show, walk out, buy cheap-ass beers everywhere I went, and then wake up and repeat. Sounds like a good-ass time. Hell yeah, McAllen and Harlingen mm-hmm. and Brownsville and all that. Shit, I'll be in McAllen this this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then back in the music days, I mean, we used to bleed that area as well. Like, <clears throat> you know, mixtapes, like a rap suburban, and you just like, your social media was, let's walk around the mall and get noticed because they're going to tell we're not from around here. And they're going to be like, what are y'all doing down here? And it's like, oh, we just dropped off CDs at such and such record store but i have some on me too if you want to buy some and we might be doing a show tomorrow if this fucking promoter send his ass right to utah <laughs> <laughs> right yeah that'd have been me i got some on me yeah, right yeah. now hey man you like rap? hey man you like rap music <laughs> hey say you like rap music uh no man i'm good man i'm done but in 2001 how many people were doing like how many people were doing that on a regular basis that you saw well, handing out mixtapes high cds everyone right yeah and some some folks they would brag about how many units they were moving but I would see how they did it, and it was basically, like, annoy the shit out of people, like, be really hostile mm-hmm. and, like, uh, 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 aggressive with people to where it'd be like, here's five bucks, leave me the fuck alone. Mm. So it's like, they're not fans. You're not gaining fans. You're not gaining they're any just traction. Scared. Let me tell you something, dude. Like, 99, 2000-ish, uh, dude. Because, I mean, now with the internet and social media, it's, it's, everything's changed. But when you say how many people did I see doing that, there was a dude who... They, they used to do reprogram hip-hop nights at Fitzgerald's. And it was just a dude spinning old-school hip-hop down there. There's a dude out there who used to give mixtapes away. And then you go to King's Flea Market over uh, off, off 16. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker be out there giving mixtapes away. Just putting them in your fucking hands and whatnot. And dude's name was South Park Mexican. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Hustled, yeah. Bruh, he... It, it, any any show you went to, man, like Method Man and Red Man came to town. That boy was in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Any, any hip-hop show you went to... I saw him everywhere because I grew up in South Park. Okay. And so I would always talk to him. He was like, yeah, man, what part you stay at? He's like, all over here. I was like, yeah, I'm like Slisky and LK. And, this. and so I knew him because of that. And then out of nowhere, man, I heard a track Boom. of his on the radio. Boom. And then things just kept blowing up and blowing up and blowing up. And I was like, you know, damn what he did afterwards. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. he earned that shit. Cause yeah. I remember, I remember watching him walking around with that backpack mm-hmm. full of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember uh, when I first heard of South Park Mexican, uh, I was uh, probably like coming home from f- fucking high school in New Jersey. That's a whole nother fucking story. But I was coming home from high school in New Jersey, and um, I think I might have heard of him do like an interview on the radio or heard people bumping his stuff and quoting his stuff. And I was like, damn, this dude's from here and he's Mexican. And, and then when I started um, uh, dabbling in like going to visit the... Uh, Southwest Wholesale was a big music distributor over on 290. And they were telling me, like, yeah, we carry a lot of product, but he's he keeps the lights on around this bitch. Like, SPM <laughs> was, like, blowing 
Tejano bands, like Cash Money was still kind of coming up. They hadn't got their big deal yet. You had a lot of big local record labels, but out of Southwest, he was like one of probably top two or three or maybe even the main one. Like, he could literally just walk in, just start using the printer if he wanted to. You know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> shit, it's SPM. But just like a lot of comics hustle. right now, couldn't keep it in his fucking pants. <laughs> you let a dick destroy an empire, man. Mm. Yeah, you got to keep your nose clean, you know. Yeah, man, especially the, the, that, that old mo' money, mo' problems. Yeah, once you get up and get successful, people looking. People looking to see what the hell you're doing. Mm-hmm. And now they got facial recognition software, uh, cameras everywhere, drones. You Listening to it all the time. It's like Chingo was picking his nose on the corner of Maine and Fannin. <laughs> we got evidence. See, that's my thing. I don't want to be that famous, okay? Like, I want to be famous enough to where my bills are paid, but I don't want nobody with a camera in my face while I'm picking my nose on my car. Like, I don't, I don't want that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, give me give give me a little bit of that that George Wallace and whatnot, but don't don't give me Kevin Hart fame. Yeah, yeah, you know George what I mean. <laughs> Under the radar fame. Yeah, just like everybody knows my name, everybody respects me. I get I get paid, but I can take my daughter to the mall without somebody asking her questions. What's it like to be his daughter? Get <laughs> yeah. the fuck out of my face, man. You know what I heard uh, on on a. Another podcast. It was Schultz and uh, what's the name? Ginger Whiskey. Oh yeah, Whiskey Ginger. Santino. So they were saying they were talking about how um, how sometimes the industry wants to like squeeze the juice out of people and like overexpose them, where it's like we're gonna put you in everything. And they they named Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish, Haddish yeah. as an example, where they're like they're really trying to like she's an example. They like trying to shove her down your throat. Like yeah, she's funny, but it's they're like they literally just like cut the neck and it's like. Get the juice out. Yeah. They killed Dane Cook with it. Right. Um, they killed Amy Schumer with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Overexposure. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, here's the thing, man. They, if Kevin Hart, because he's, like a lot of people, Kevin Hart, he was behind the scenes guy. He'd been around a long yeah. time. Uh-huh. And the thing is, if Kevin Hart didn't have the years and years of experience where people didn't really know who he was, they would have killed him. If he was a new act, mm-hmm. think about how much content they're putting out with Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, Kevin Hart's been doing this for so long that when they finally gave him his shot, he was ready. They're like, give us more shit. He's like, I got a lot more shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? But meanwhile, <laughs> you got guys like like Haddish and Amy Schumer and Dane Cook who – it took them eight years to get this first hour that you love, and then one year later, you're like, give Where's me the another other hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give me another hour. Yeah. Give me another that hour. That sophomore hour. Mm. Yeah, Because the freshman one is like, it takes you 10 years right. to come to cook Bruh, up. Amy was holding her own for a while, and then that leather special happened, and I was like, who is this chick? Uh, so so I haven't watched it. I've heard, I've I've heard a lot about it. I've made it 18 minutes is as far as I've made it, uh, and that's me sitting down and trying twice. It's... it's it's so what, it's just it was just not funny. There's no punchlines. Uh, I mean, it's just she's up there talking, and it's like all set up. Yeah, man, it's all set up, and then like, wow, like isn't that weird? Like, you just what 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 is this? Yeah, yeah. It was she like was, it was like Chingo at Rudyard's on a Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she did, except she did it at Madison Square Garden or some shit. Was it really something big? Apollo? I, I think it might have been. That was how Apollo That's some gentrification one shit. Before? Yeah, That's some man. gentrification shit. You got, well, first of all, you calling it the leather special. Where'd you get that from? Eddie Murphy? Oh, That's a reference, dude, right? Yes. Oh, she said, she said every big comic has a special where they're all doing, where they're on all leather. She, she cited Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock. And I was like, who the fuck you think you are? Damn. Yeah, you ain't, yeah. 
Like, look, man, I've been doing this 18 years. It's like, years, I never okay? saw you at King's Street Market. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which has changed. Have you have you been to King's lately? No. The, oh, the whole area around it is really, like, there's new condo, apartment they looking thing. They gentrified King's Street um, Market? I wouldn't say it's gentrified yet. And sorry, uh, hold that thought because I, I interrupted you. Oh, no, but, that's um, good. I think they built, like, there's a metro rail that runs through there. Um, <clears throat> just, I don't recognize, like, I used to go to King's for, like, different different reasons. But um, now it's like, oh, when it, oh, shit, damn, this is, okay, it's new, a bunch of new shit. That would have been called the jack rail in the 90s. <laughs> that, oh, really? You, you just got off the rail, huh? You came yeah. here with some money, came here and shit. No, nah, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, leather special, right? That's, yeah. I mean, Amy. 18 years, though, man. You give me my first special. The last thing I want you to be thinking about is Eddie Murphy or Chris Rock. Right? Because I'm compare. good. I'm not that good. Yeah. <laughs> like, those, those yeah, she threw herself in that same sentence. And sometimes, man, like, when stuff like that goes down, my thought goes to your team. Who did you have around you that kind of kept it real? Like, like other sharp comics that, you know what I'm saying? Like, if Sam was in Amy's circle... He probably would have pulled her aside, like, hey, Amy, you might want to tone this one down. Let's shoot mm-hmm. a practice shot. Let's go over some things. Yeah. You know? And if you want to do it in leather, say you just just say you want to do a show in leather, man. Don't don't compare yeah. yourself to those two dudes. Like, that's what I always thought with the uh, the Kathy Griffin thing when she posted that the picture of her yeah. with her head or whatever. Trippin'. That's what I wanted to know was who around you yeah. did not tell you how bad this could go. Yeah, because DT don't play. DT yeah. got a list. DT yeah. don't play, but is it, is somebody like if I was sitting with Kathy Griffin, I'd be like, "Hey, dude, I don't like that motherfucker either." But what's but funny that's about the president? That? Yeah, and <laughs> secret. Service? I just want you to think. Four years ago, if you would have been holding Obama's head, yeah, I want you to think about how bad that would have gone and realize this could possibly go just as bad. Yeah, like yeah, it's almost like you have to. You have to almost weigh out, like, okay, what are you aiming to gain out of this? Like, what, what, what situation are you in right now? What, like, how, de- why are you desperate to? Co- are you a, are you a provocateur now? Are you, you a thought-provoking type of person, mm-hmm. or are you? A, what lane are you in? Mm-hmm. Are you, a, what's, are you a comedian? If so, what's funny about this? Yeah. Versus you're just trying to do shock, which is gonna just, you're gonna be in a shitstorm of controversy. Yeah, you're trying to do shock, and you making CNN, Anderson Cooper, New Year's Eve money. You know what I mean? I, no shit. I, if I would have come up with that <laughs> idea, I would have oh, yeah. gone. I would have gone to another country. Like, look, man, you're on your way up. Maybe you should try this shock shit. But I ain't about to mess up. Yeah, my, my for New show Year's money. Yeah, Eve for money. Real. You know what I mean? Fuck like, up my for show I make money. A, I make a year's salary on one night between 7 p.m. and midnight. You I didn't know even I mean? know she was on that. Oh, every year it was. She always, was on that. It was her tormenting it. It was pretty funny too, because Anderson Cooper was always so straight laced, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they'd be in that booth together. <laughs> straight, he's a straight man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both had the same thought. Yeah, she, well, she yeah, was playing, man, he was she, playing the straight man. She always be in there just fucking with him, and it was funny to watch. Like I would always turn it on in the background before I went out and got shit faced. But in a time uh, where everyone gets so offended, you know, like where everyone will take any reason to get offended, why do something like that? Yeah, it's. Again, like you said, what's funny about it? Because let me tell you something. There's, there's a million funny poses that you could have done with you and the president you don't like. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But severed head, considering yeah. that that's what ISIS does, yeah, is yeah. they come out yeah, with and the cartels and shit, yeah. shit like that. I'm like, we're at war with people who want that photo. And, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was like a, a artist. It was like a visual artist or something that that it was. He kind of like 
drug her into that. Like, oh, I want you to participate okay. in this thing because I'm an artist. It's so, like, shit, why me? Motherfucker? From what I heard was the original picture had a quote next to it. And it was like he was bleeding from his eyes and wherever else, which is what Trump said about Megyn Kelly when he made a period joke after an interview. But then when the media got a hold of it, they just put the picture up without the fucking quote. So now you just look like it's some militant chick holding yeah. a severed head. Yeah, tripping. Hey, yeah, um, I want to ask you. Like that. I want to ask you something. I, I believe Slade told me a story one time about, oh boy. if I'm not mistaken, maybe you could fill in the, the details. Um, it was something like some kind of sketchy gig, a lot of like biker looking dudes, and there was some kind of um flag or something, and you went up there <laughs> and like out the gate you said something. Okay. So there was this bike rally, Lake Silverville, Texas, right? And Slade calls me up because he got booked to do this bike rally. And uh, he goes, hey, man, who do you know who could fill like 20, 30 minutes in front of me for this bike rally? I was like, me, dude. He goes, goes, yeah, man, but there's bikers in the South. And I was like, but it'll make for a great story. Yeah. And, uh, man, we showed up. uh, All these these dudes out there on their bikes with – I pull up in a Honda Accord. Uh, so there's some black dude driving a Japanese bike among all these Harleys. It started off bad already. Um, we're, 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 we meet up, do a sound check, whatever. Uh, I go on, like, I was going on first. So they, they introduced me, said the mayor's, and the crowd cheers, and then I come walk out the back. They didn't boo, but you just heard the applause die wow. really fast. What, what part of Texas is this? Uh, it's Lake Somerville. It's like uh, East Texas. No, it's not far from here. Like maybe an hour and a half away from here. Northeast. Uh, I think it's a little bit. I, I should know this. Okay. I drove. I'm just guessing because I'm over here thinking like Lufkin, Huntsville. Like there's a prison there. Got, <laughs> not a got, very diverse. But uh, so Jamie. I walk out. Jamie, Jamie, pull it up. Pull that shit up. Jamie, pull that shit up. Jamie. <laughs> I walk out and they're just like, they, you see, they're stunned. Like, who the fuck is this black dude yeah. up here? Whatever. I had on a jacket, and I was like, I know y'all looking at me weird because you're like, what is he doing here? And I unzipped my jacket. I had on a Motorhead shirt underneath my jacket. And I was like, this is a little bit better than, yeah! <laughs> yeah. And, no, it's Confederate flags as far as the eye can wow. see. Like, everybody's got one above their tent. They're waving everywhere. And Dale Earnhardt had just died. <gasps> and right next to the stage, there was this big Confederate flag waving and it had the Dale Earnhardt 3 in the middle of it. And I looked at it, I was like, I was like so uh, I'd like to thank y'all for all these lovely flags. You make me feel very welcome. Uh, I see that one there has a big 3 on it. Have a funny feeling if I don't make it home tonight, there's going to be a 4 on that bitch tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Crushed them. And after that, I could do no wrong. They, nice. they, they, and it. then I come off stage, and this biker dude came up. And he was like, you say you like Jack Daniels? I was like, yeah. He's Ball of Jack in my hand. He was like, that's yours, brother. Good work. Wow. They gave us a golf cart. We were riding around. These bikers, they fucking love me. And uh, I went back. I did, I I think, two more bike rallies with Slade. And uh, he booked me for one. And Outlaw Day was like, yo, you're bringing Sam to a bike rally? And Slade's like, just watch. He's like, just watch. He goes, you think it's, it sounds like a recipe for disaster. But just watch. At the end of the night, they will fucking love it. That's hilarious. What? And, uh. I would love to do another one. I love doing bike rallies. They're, so they're that's an example of like you um, kind of addressing 
almost like the elephant in the room in a way, but but just oh, yeah. hitting stuff head on to where like it was endearing and you just drew them in and. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, the elephant in the room. I walk out, yeah, there's a black dude at a motorcycle rally, and there's all these Confederate flags around. You know what I mean? Like, and it's one of those, like, even they probably felt weird. They're like, well, if I knew he was going to be here, maybe I wouldn't have this fucking thing yeah, hanging yeah, on yeah, my yeah, bike. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but, but then when you walk in and you do a joke about it, and it's like, clearly, I don't give a damn about your stupid-ass flag. I don't yeah. care. Then they're like, okay, it just breaks the tension yeah. that was there. Like, yeah. for the second they saw me, there was tension. They're just like, uh, man, this is weird. We thought this was gonna be our weekend at the lake. What's he doing here? He can't even swim. They're like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, I, I, I'm not too comfortable because apparently there's a white guy doing blackface uh, up on stage, <laughs> and I'm not with that. <laughs> hey, if I can't do it, how come he can do it? I don't. I'm not with Lee Press on dreads. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Press on dreads. Yeah. That's but, that's 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 copyrighted, by the way. Don't <laughs> don't go make those, those those copyright chingo bling. <laughs> hey man, so so um, in L.A., like as a Houstonian, as a Texan, how do you feel? Um, th- th- how does that come into play? Do do people think like, oh, Texas? Like when you meet comics out there, are they like, oh, okay, we're familiar with the heritage of the comedy scene, or they don't no, know what to think? Okay, so Texas is. In the comedy scene out there is is you're from Houston. It's actually pretty cool, yeah. man. Because you know, I mean, back in the day, you had the old outlaw comics that they all knew about. Andy Huggins' name is on the wall at the comedy store. Yeah. Uh, then for a while there, we had a rash out there. Though Ralphie May came out there from Houston. Yep. Sean Rouse came out there from Houston. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, John Wesson came uh, out. He was uh, on uh, Central Rose. Yeah, that's the thing. Everybody had these Houston ties. And like you said, you know, you had Rogan and Do- Joey Diaz talking about what. So when you show up, when people say, where are you from? You say Houston. It actually, it gets a warm reception. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? People are like, oh, shit. Another, they're still sending, Houston's still sending motherfuckers out here. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Because. It, Mo, we, we got Mo now. Yeah, Mo yeah. Armour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ali Sadiq. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Mo's doing a lot more out of the NYC than he is out of yeah, now. Yeah, he's originally from But, uh, yeah, I mean, Ali, he went out there and crushed. So, yeah, I mean, when you go out there, you say you're from Houston, uh, you still get you still get them eyes where people are like oh shit, here's another one because we got a pretty good track record for what yeah. we send out there. Um, you think people from Austin are, they get the oh you one of those hipster weird awkward kind of comic guys? It it does <laughs> kind of get a little bit of eye roll when you're like yeah. where are you from Austin oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and and the funny thing is most of the time when you when you see them and you go where are you from before they even answer you can look at what they're wearing and go this is either Austin or Portland or homeless or homeless yeah or homeless yeah <laughs> except for uh, Bryson Brown uh, Bryson do you know Bryson oh yeah I know Bryson yeah uh, yeah he don't he don't do the Portland homeless look but, <laughs> nah. uh, but he's he's from Austin he, but he, he smokes just as much weed as they do <laughs> yeah dude uh, yeah yeah he, that boy loves weed yeah, yeah but I tell you what man being a Texan in LA, you, you want to know how it feels? It feels out of place as fuck. Is it is like I live among you people. I am not one of you. No. I am. I am just not. And I've had to since I moved out there. I've had. I've gone on the road. I've done gigs or whatever. And I've had to stop people when they they go, "Ladies and gentlemen, your next comedian from Los Angeles, California." Uh uh-uh, uh don't say that. Uh, Do not yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I am not one of them. Uh. <laughs> There, there, there is a Texas flag behind me. I don't care how much stupid shit my state does in the news, mm-hmm. but I am from here. <laughs> like yeah. I am, I am not yeah. one of them. Um, yeah, I, th- I agree, man. I think it's a couple things. Number one, I like approaching situations like L.A. or whatever as an outsider. Yes. Because 
it's almost like um what's the word i'm looking for man like i'm already coming in from a different angle a different perspective i'm coming in fresh some of y'all might have already been beaten down on your dream to where you've now like okay i gotta take a number and wait my fucking turn where i'm coming in like surgical strike navy seal like we're only here for a month type of thing and uh, another thing too is um it just not that it's like a little bit of mysterious or, or nothing like mystique or nothing. No, but a, that pride, a bit of yeah. novelty to it. Yeah, and, the, and pride too. Like yeah. I made sure the only hats I packed like to take out there were like my Rockets hat, my Astros hat, my Eighth, eighth Wonder, Wonder hat, hat yeah. and like my tour hat. And uh, I just told my girl like whatever you tell me to wear for my appearances and radio interviews or whatever, like these are the hats. <laughs> uh, just to just to bring that. Like I lived in L.A. Uh, for a year, actually like eleven months. Uh, I tapped out. No, mm. nah, it was a year. Uh, my my daughter, my ten year, she's ten now. She was like in kindergarten, so it was like five years ago. Anyway, you know, this second round, like you know, going back, I definitely had that in mind. Like, yeah, keep that pride. Like, let motherfuckers know where you from. You know what I'm saying? So, man, me, my my roommate, he's also from here, man. He, he grew up in Pasadena, and uh, when we come home, like we'll go to Bucky's or whatever, and I mean. You you think of the shittiest Texas souvenir shirts or whatever, we buy them and whenever we go out drinking, like if we go out together, we wear just like those wolves howling at the moon, but yeah. it says Texas in yeah. the back. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, we we will wear that shit. Like, that, and like camouflage. Or that. Yes, I dropped out of college to tell jokes for them. I went to U of H. I will wear a UT shirt out there just because it says Texas right across the. Yeah. I, we Texas flags hanging up in the house. My mouse pad from my yeah. computer is a and, Texas flag. And it, it helps you feel connected, and you got to know your roots. And, and you don't want to get homesick either. Yeah. So I even saw on YouTube, uh, there's a dude out there. He's not a Texan, but he sells Texas-style, Central Texas-style barbecue in L.A. And, like, out of his backyard. And they, they did a whole nice interview on him. And so <clears throat> supposedly people DM him when they want to be invited and he's kind of like, eh, you look cool. I'd yeah. like to hang out with you and, and eat barbecue. But uh, they were showing it. It looked, the brisket, everything looked legit. Huh. So here's the thing, man. It, that's, that's hard as shit in LA, okay? Because uh, people are pussies. Um, dude, you fire up a smoker out there, people will call in and report you. Oh, and wow. Shit. Like, yeah, man, if you, my apartment is if you grill on your patio, just grill it. Like, not even, like, actual smoking a brisket. People just, <laughs> it's blowing into my house. <laughs> oh, wow. And the apartment manager calls you and, like, hey, could you not do that? I'm like, I'm in the middle of cooking. Like, it'll, <laughs> it'll be over soon. But, uh, yeah, well, it's just, it's bothering people. And well, But we have rooftop access. And I, I, I told my apartment manager, I was like, look, man, uh, I will buy a smoker, put it on the roof. Anybody in the apartment building can use it, but it'll it won't blow into people's shit and yeah. be out there or whatever. And sh- I don't know if I can allow that. This Ooh. that yeah. I'm like, the, the, let me tell you something. You want to allow it just for the shit that I'll bring into this office for you to eat. You want to allow it, mm-hmm. and I I gave up on it. Wow. She never she never gave me a, a definitive answer, but yeah, man, it's uh finding good barbecue out there is hard because it's hard to find somewhere where you can actually do it. What clubs do you hit out there? Um, I do flappers a lot. Yeah, Burbank. Um, yeah, I do flappers in Burbank a lot. They are, they 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 have seemed to be the most welcoming as far as I've been concerned. You know what I mean? Uh, I went out there uh, years ago. And I did their audition process, and they 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 liked me. They already kind of knew me, but then it was years later when I came back out, 
and I was getting ready to go do the audition process again, and the Burbank Comedy Festival was going on. My friend was in it, and then when I showed up, they were like, "Oh, I remember you," and blah blah. blah. And then you know, I know Chris Titus, and he like, he he's he's good with them out there, and they're like, "Yeah, Titus talks about you." So they were just really welcoming, like right right out the gate when mm-hmm. I got there. So nice. um, they they're the nicest. I've done the store a few times. Um, for some reason, every time I go on, the guy who's in charge of making sure you stay in is never in the room. Um, uh, I've done the Laugh Factory once, I believe. I've done the Hollywood Improv twice. Um, but other than that, man, I stay out on the road. Have you ever done um, Ruby Tuesdays at uh, the Laugh Factory? No. <clears throat> I, I can uh, connect you with them. And then um, there's a Thursday, ho- you know, hopefully... Um, my word carries some kind of weight with yeah. them. Hopefully I didn't do too bad. Uh, there's a Thursday show that I was supposed to do in the belly room. Uh, her name is Nichelle. Uh, it's called uh, like Crack 'Em Up Thursdays. It's the belly room comedy mm-hmm. store. I actually had to cancel on her because uh, some other shit came up. I had a host for a Mexican band. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. How big was that audience, by the way? Which one? The Ink the Cobbler one. <clears throat> Man, they're a big band. They sold out the House of Blues. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was like... I don't know, a couple thousand people yeah. standing, uh, a balcony. Yeah, yeah. cool. Uh, they're all looking at me like, why is this roadie talking to <laughs> us? <laughs> 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 Who the fuck is this guy? Who is this fucking DJ? Yeah, man. Uh, I like it out there. I love the weather. Uh, oh, man, yeah. And I, like I said, I live in Hollywood. I love the fact that anything I want is walking distance. Mm-hmm. And, like, they got Uber Pool out there, which is some people, if you travel around, you know what it is. In Houston, we don't have it. Uh but it's basically if you're willing to let somebody else jump in your Uber and share it and then you get dropped off first or they get dropped off first, you take Uber for a much lesser price. Hmm. And, uh, like, if I wanted to leave my apartment and go to the comedy store, an Uber pool is $3 there and $3 back. If I took my car to the comedy store, I spent about $15 to park. Yeah. What? Yeah. Just yeah. time, gas, and then just a headache. Yeah. Of uh, looking for a spot and then like finding a lot and then getting with the guy, giving him money. Yeah. And now Uber's got this little loyalty program. I'm I'm fucking platinum with Uber because I have a car out there like it never moves. Yeah. It never moves. And then I do so much road stuff that I'm not gonna take my car to LAX and leave it there and pay six thousand dollars when I come that. back. Yeah. Hell I'd man. rather sp- spend $25 on an Uber pool. Yeah. It's just less Show work, less airport. headache, too. Especially, like, if you have friends and family flying into LAX, and they're like, oh, I landed at this time. Come scoop me. Nah. <laughs> nah, you cool. Nah. No. Mom, mom, you get an Uber. Like, yeah. Let me tell you something, bro. You can be married to somebody, and you can't get them to come get you from LAX. Mm-mm. Nah. Nobody. Nah, I'm cool. Nobody's coming to get you Fuck from that. LAX. No, too. because you about to – that person now, whoever's picking you up from LAX – it's the most inconsiderate thing. Like, they're just going to tell you no because you're going to tie up their whole a- afternoon. It's going to take them time to get there, navigate through it. Yeah, man. So it's going to take them about 45 minutes to get to LAX. Then when you get there, there's this big U horseshoe thing that's got a red light every 10 feet. and uh, People walking, pedestrians. Yes. And so that thing takes another 20, 30 minutes to get through. Then you got 45 minutes to get back where they came from. So, yeah, and like, it's... It's, you got to pack a lunch to go get somebody from LAX. Yeah, all set. That's why I told my wife, I was like, hey, if we end up staying in, like, the valley, like uh, Glendale or North Hollywood or something, 
um, shit. I was like, remember, because she's lining up the tour for next year right now. I was like, remember, Burbank uh, Airport. Yes, there's never anybody there. It's mm. like Hobby. It's super laid back. Like your luggage comes out outdoors. It's smaller than Hobby. <laughs> yeah, just, super. Yeah, way smaller. It's yeah, like yeah. one wing of Hobby. And when he said, when he said your luggage comes out outdoors, like if you don't see your luggage, and you, you know how when you go to the little counter, like, hey, my luggage lost. They're like, uh, yeah, my luggage didn't go off the plane. They're like, hang on a second. Brenda! Brenda! He ain't get his suitcase! Yeah. <laughs> Brenda just comes out, oh, uh, like eating a sandwich, going, I my thought bad. that was all of it. My bad. <laughs> Bur- I, I did it twice. And, uh, I love Burbank Airport. Oh, God. It is, it is, it is smooth. And you, you're just like, this is LA. And here's the thing. So I live in Hollywood, right? LAX, 45 minutes from my house. Burbank, 10 minutes. Like, it's in the city, mm-hmm. and nobody takes it. I never hear anybody talk about it. Burbank Airport, baby. That's it. Mm. Bob Hope Burbank Airport. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fuck nobody yeah. takes it. And it, it is, it's a gold mine if you can get it. Especially, man, if you fly Southwest. Oh, yeah. I if got you fly it. Southwest and you went to LAX, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you're an idiot. Yeah, that was, that was us. Uh, <laughs> with, with two babies, no babysitter, and uh, the baby needs two strollers because it's like, well, this is the jogger stroll. I'm like, why are we taking this you know it's like it's the jogger she prefers this one she faces out you know what i mean i'm like mm. ah. see that's right there that's that's a sign that you're too successful Gino. it's just too much you know what i'm saying <laughs> no you're too successful yeah you're too i need to stay under the radar man. yeah no uh, when, when your wife has the jogger stroller and the, and the cruiser yeah. stroller that means that means <laughs> you need convertible to, yeah you need to take a pay cut yeah because <laughs> yeah, somebody drop got down my percentage at these uh clubs but don't do that. <clears throat> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Baby needs five strollers now. Nah, <laughs> yeah. I don't give a damn, baby. Buy as many strollers as you want. I'm keeping these fucking lights on. Right. <laughs> so how yeah. long are you planning on staying out there? Sorry to interrupt. No, good. Uh, right now, indefinitely. Uh, I like it. Um, I do enough road stuff to where L.A. doesn't beat down on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I travel a lot. and uh, Like what, what area? Like Midwest or where do you go? So uh, I do cruise ships. Okay. I, I I normally have not been telling people I do cruise ships, but I don't care anymore. Oh, uh, why? Why is that your uh, little secret? You know, man, <laughs> I, I don't think it has a negative stigma to other people, but when I was coming up, it always had a, ne- it always had a negative stigma to me. Um, and it's not like I don't tell people about it because it's not like if I say, hey, man, I'm going to be on this cruise this week, and they're like, oh, we should go see him this weekend. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. you had to plan that shit it's out months check, ago. Yeah. So it, it, it does, what's the point? Um, but you know, like, uh, the, the thing with cruise ships, man, they'll fly you wherever you need to go. So, uh, what I love doing, cause like the big, big part of that eats you up on the road is the clubs don't pay for travel. So what I like to do is in between ships, I'll just start booking myself. I'd be like, okay, look, I got 10 days off between ships. I'm gonna put eight shows up in Seattle. And then when I get off the ship, I go fly me to Seattle and I sit there and I make that money and then. Next ship, I go fly me back out from Seattle, and then I just went there for free. It was pure profit trip, and then I made two checks on two checks on the bookends. Perfect. This next one, uh, this next one that I go on, I have four days off between ships. I told them I was like, I want to go to Colombia. I've never been, and they were like, uh, that's international. We don't really send people on vacation. And I was like, okay. Here's the thing though. Uh, I get off a ship in Miami. I get back on a ship in Miami. Why don't you Google what it costs to send me from Miami to Los Angeles and what it's going to cost you to send me from Miami to Medellin? I get an email right back going, all hey, right, uh, you got we've it. We've updated our, uh, <laughs> our rules. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's the thing, man. If, they'll send you wherever you go. If you're saving them money, they're like, oh, I don't care. Like, 
the next one that I get off of, um, <clears throat> I think I'm gonna get off in San <clears throat> in San Juan. Never been to Mexico City, so I think I'm gonna have to send me to Mexico City. I've got four days. Oh, left. Mexico City is the shit. That's what everybody and says. And they have comedy there. Yeah, so I, I got Mexico four days City's off. Mexico City is the shit. Got four days off. I think oh, I'm gonna man. send me down to Mexico City. Ah, jealous. So when you do a uh, so when you do a cruise ship, how long are you on that ship? Um, it could be. It, <clears throat> so the contract is for five shows, and however long five shows is, if it's a three day cruise. You'll do one show on the first night, two shows on the second, two shows on the third, then you out. Oh, so these cruises, it's like no more than a week? Yeah, uh, but sometimes, man, like, they'll give you one that's back-to-back, so you jump on a cruise. Like, say if it's a 14-day cruise, I'll come off, like, the last four days, and then those people get off, another group gets on, and I'm off for their first four days, and then I just got two paychecks for eight days of shit. Oh, wow. Uh when those happen, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I mean, it really is. Like I was gone for eight days, and uh, <laughs> I don't have to work no more this month. Hell yeah. yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, back in the day of the early podcasting, comedians would talk a lot about how they didn't like necessarily like doing uh, cruise ships. Is, he, is that still a thing? Dude, they take care of you. Um, yeah, they, they they take care of you. Uh, like I said, they 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 cover the travel. Um, I Uber tour from the airport. They reimburse me that shit. Uh, they take good care of you. The, 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 when people say they don't like doing cruise ships, I can tell you exactly what they're talking about. It's the boredom. All right? Our do, downtime? Uh, yeah. You do you do a 30-minute show, uh-huh. right? Like that, that, that show with that night where you got one show that night, you have another 23 and a half hours free on a boat. Hmm. So you're kind of uh, captive, like a captive audience. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, you know, as an employee, you know, you can't really – cut up like the way the rest mm. of them do there's some restrictions on you and stuff you know what I mean there's places you can't go and whatnot. and so yeah anybody who says they don't like doing it doesn't like that mm-hmm. alright every show you do uh, and what everything else going all the other entertainment on the ship is down for the 30 minutes you're on stage so every show is packed Mm. Um, they they didn't come there because oh what's going on here no they came there because they saw the flyers so they're good crowds show. yeah the shows are always killer uh, everybody on there and they they love you when you're done and uh, but yeah so that's that's the great part is just after that it's like oh okay what am I gonna do I've already read this book I've already done this um, I. Have uh, <laughs> I've turned it into a very big positive. I work out like a motherfucker. Good, nice, yeah, great. Yeah. Um, they got a really nice gym for the guests. The one that they have for the crew isn't really as nice, or whatever. And then apparently, like we used to be confined to the crew gym, but now they said that yeah, you know what I mean. As long as you don't go during peak hours, you can go to the gym for the guests. And once, once I heard that, I was like, perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I can kill a couple hours a day in here. And then once I do that, I come back, I take a shower, I go eat, and then I'm like, I got five hours for a show. I'm exhausted now. I can take a three-hour nap, wake up, go do the show, Fully and charged. repeat. Yeah. Great. Going to come back swole from these trips. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's already working. Like yeah, I, that was a great investment. That's a great investment of your time. And yeah. And then, health. you know, I read uh, when I'm out because uh, uh, the TV is, it don't, don't even bother 
it's, it's got like six channels and half of them are all about here's the fun yeah. thing about cruising i'm like i'm already here why are you trying to sell me a cruise yeah. book your next one now i'm on the boat stop trying to sell me a cruise you already got us yeah. yes what about the college circuit never done it no um i mean i've never done the circuit i've done one-offs here and there at colleges and uh you know when people say that they that they oh they're way too pc here now and they're way to this Dude, if you use your good judgment, like, there's nothing I do in my show that if you complain about, I can't sit down and go, let's talk about it. And I can tell you, here's why you're stupid for being offended by that. Like, now, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of things in my show that are like that, but not that I would do on a college campus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I got some shit that I know will get me taken off your, your campus in cuffs, but I'm not going to do it then. But there's other things that I do and people, oh, I didn't like that thing you said. Okay, let's talk about it. I've had people I've had people burst out in the middle of my show. because um, I have this joke about uh getting hit on by gay dudes and how it's awesome because gay men will compliment you ways that women will never. You know what I mean? Like dudes come up and say you look sexy, I'm like, Yes, thank you. Thank you, bro. And then some some it, it, it dude, this is this is in Hollywood. This lesbian chick. She got mad. She was like, uh, you know what? I just, I don't, I don't like the way you're targeting the gays. And I was like, hold up, man. I said, the dude said I was good looking. I said, thank you. I'm like, what negative did I say about gay men? I was like, what part of that? I was like, you just heard the word gay and you got mad. And and luckily there was a gay, there were two gay men. There were a couple and they were there. He goes, he goes, yeah, you're supposed to say thank you. He goes, by the way, that joke wasn't even about you. It was about me, you dumbass. And I was like, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're a lesbian. This has nothing to do with you. Yeah. I talk about gay men telling me I look good. like, And there, and there is nothing. that The only thing I say in the joke that, that can be remotely construed as negative is because like the dude says I'm good looking, and I say thank you. And he says, you should come with me. I'm like, I'm not doing that, but thank you. You know what I <laughs> mean? And but I'll take the compliment. Yeah, yeah I'll yeah. take the compliment, and then I'll I'll take that compliment. And next time I see a pretty girl, I'll be like, "Somebody in this bitch thinks I yeah. look sexy. What's up, girl? You know what I mean?" <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, remember, I heard you do it at Ruds, and you were like, "Yeah, you, you would be very, or you should be, you should consider yourself very lucky." <laughs> he didn't like the like flick ten of minutes it. ago on my head, she would never have me. Now you'd be fucking lucky to have me. Then he did the drills like <laughs> and he's got the hair, which is perfect. Yeah, yeah man, the flick, yeah. So That's yeah, is 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 everybody is is so ready to get offended now, and he, you 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 say the word Trump, they're already mad. You like you don't even know where I'm going with yeah. this. Uh-huh. You don't even know where I'm going with this. What if my joke is that I like him? You didn't mm-hmm. even give me a chance. Yeah, he's like, oh, you talk about my president? Yes, yes. You know why? Because that's my job. My job is to talk about the shit that's going on every day mm-hmm. in front of my faces. Have you seen the Nike the controversy the controversy now with the shoes? I just saw that right before I came here. Okay. Basically, they wanted to make a shoe with an American flag on it. Uh, the but old it was the school. old Betsy Ross flag with yeah. the circle yeah. uh, and the 13 stars. Which which connotate which like, it was in the slavery era. Yeah. Ah. It was from the slavery era, but like when 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 like the Klan, everybody when they were getting shit about the Confederate flag, they started handing out pamphlets with that flag on oh, it. Oh, that was the new. Yeah. So that was their ah. little that was their little low key thing. So Nike puts out this shoe and. Guess how it all gets shut down? Colin Kaepernick. You know what I'm he wasn't having it. Colin Kaepernick goes right to Nike. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can't. You can't use that flag, man. 
the headline says Nike loses factory aid. Yeah, yeah so uh, Arizona pulled a, a million dollar grant to help build a new uh, Nike, Nike facility. Factory. Oh, like a tax refund type of thing. Yeah, they 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 don't want they don't want the factory in Arizona now. Yeah, so that's and, the flag with uh, Lincoln. Well, that's crazy because Arizona uh, or Washington. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm generalizing, but uh, it's pretty conservative. Yeah, yeah. So they don't want the factory there because they they're pulling the shoe because they're scared to make the shoe. Yeah, they they they, they don't want because they're, they're saying it's, it's disrespectful to America. So you're pulling the shoe, so we don't want you uh, in Arizona. I'm like, yeah, okay, you're the last people to make Martin Luther King Day legal, and you're uh-huh. the first people to stop and randomly frizz Mexicans for no reason <laughs> whatsoever. Didn't have share of Joe. So I already know where the fuck you stand. Good points. You know what I mean? I ain't know where you stand. It's points. cool. And you, it. And now everybody's like, boycott Nike because they're not putting out their shoe with that flag. Yesterday, none of you gave a fuck about that stupid ass flag. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. it, it was it was America's flag for like 20 minutes. And no one cared about it. But now, because black people don't want it, they're like, we want that flag. No one if I told if I told half the people to do it to draw that flag, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know how to do it. Not only that, it's like, bitch, you wear New Balance. The yes. Fuck you care about that. Was, that was one thing. The first time when they put out that commercial with Colin Kaepernick and they're like, we're boycotting Nike. I was like, Nike makes Jordans. Your country ass does not spend two, three hundred dollars on those sneakers. Yeah. They don't give a shit about your boycott. <laughs> if I said I was boycotting suntan lotion, no one would give a fuck. <laughs> No one cares because they don't make a lot of money off me at fucking tropical whatever. <laughs> and they probably want to be like on the right side of history. And, you know, you don't the last thing a big shoe company wants to be referred to as is like racist, closed minded, you know. Well, OK, but here's the other thing. They don't want to be referred to as racist. Of course not. Right. But uh, Nike specifically, you know how much that money they've made off of black men? Yeah. Right? And what if they said we don't support Kaepernick and then LeBron and everybody else goes, cool, get my name off your motherfucking shoes. We're all going to go to Reebok right now. You're crushed. So yeah. of course they did it. <laughs> of course they did it. People are like, good for them. They took a stand for what was right. No, they took a stand for their fucking wallet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for their profit. If the Klan was buying nothing but Jordans, Nike would be like, I don't think the Confederate flag's such a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's green. And it's and I think it's really funny because uh, the, 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 the majority of people who were saying they were gonna boycott Nike, mostly rich white men, I love that it's like, oh wow, you don't have the consumer power for once in your fucking life yeah. and it bothers you. It bothers you. I think it's great. Personally, I don't think my people need spending that much money on fucking sneakers. But but I think it's great that it's just like, oh, no, no, no. We're the majority now. Yeah, No one cares about you. They yeah. care about us. Tyrone makes Nike money. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> consumer buying power. Yeah, Shit. man. Yeah. yeah they, they, they break that down for like every uh, demographic, like Latino fucking buying power, so on yeah. and so forth. If I make rice... I'm not going to talk shit about Chinese people. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's the buying power. That's true. That's who wins. That's true, man. So I, I definitely got to uh, hit you up while we're out there in L.A. Uh, we definitely got to stay in touch. And um, how, is, how how can people get a hold of you and follow you and subscribe? Okay. So my name is Sam Damaris. Uh, last name is D-E-M-A-R-I-S. You Google that, you'll find everything. Uh, I'm on Twitter under my name. I'm on Facebook under my name. Um 
Facebook user will have to click follow because I got my page is about to be capped and then I don't feel like running a fan page. But my Instagram is mischief and milkshakes and uh, it's two of my favorite things. And uh, Lactose, huh? You like dairy? <laughs> oh, well, I, I like dairy. Dairy don't like me. I, I, I walk around with that bottle of lactate and I'm uh. sitting there popping pills at Dairy Queen. People are like, what's wrong with that dude? He getting high. I'm like, no. No, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for you. <laughs> you have to get in a car with me later. So, but yeah, uh, Mischief and Milkshakes on Instagram. Those are like those are my three. I'm not that active on Twitter. Uh, I think Instagram has quickly become my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook is my problem with Facebook now is that uh, it's the comment section. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I know you probably have it too. Uh, because, you know, you get popular where you got a big following or whatever. People come into the comment section. They're not even talking to you. They're posting because they know that there's a bunch of people watching. Yeah. Yeah. They crash the party. They're yeah. crashing the party. If I had 112 friends, they wouldn't be posting shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Or, or, they'd, or, or they'd be having a legit conversation with me. But once you get above 2,000 people, here they come. Because I know they do it because people will come in and they'll just start shit with other people and they'll go on all this pro-Trump bullshit and this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. And then when I when I snap at them, that's when I get a private message going, hey, man, you know it's not really yeah. like that. Okay, now I know you're a pussy. And I'm really mad at you now because you're just acting a fool yeah. to be acting a fool. Yeah. And what they don't understand is when you come in on my page and you start starting fights with people in my comment section, that makes my real fans who do want to talk to me, that makes them hesitant to talk to me in my comment section because they know there's a bunch of assholes trolling yeah. there waiting to start some shit. So you're actually hurting my brand by trying to make a name for yourself when you don't do shit. All you do is sit at home and watch Fox News. Blocked. Yeah. That's it. Oh, I... No, nah, I don't block them. Nah, nah, I li- I let you stay because I want you to see what I'm about to say about your dumbass. I love when fans come back and attack the person like that. I literally just saw that on the way here. I was checking some stuff on Facebook and YouTube, and like someone says one shitty thing, and then like five people are like, "Fuck you, get the fuck out of here." Yeah, those are those are great. Yeah. Uh, I was beefing with uh, <laughs> a member of my family. I'll uh-huh. say that much. Uh, a member of my extended family, uh, and. Uh, she came in and she just sniped in and said something shitty in the comment section on one of them. Just shitty towards me because it's some personal shit that we were having off of Facebook. And dude, my fans just reached in and tore her to shreds. Nice. And she sends me a message going, why are they doing this? And why would you say? And I was like, uh, I was like, hey, man, if you got been, a, shouldn't have been talking. Yeah, to if you got a problem with me, you need to come to me. You know what I mean? Like we we family. Uh, you you. You had no business doing this on Facebook, and you you need to know that my Facebook, those people are there because they like me. They don't fucking know you. Yeah. Uh, dude, I've had ex girlfriends come on and start popping off, and then just bam, and I I just sit back at the keyboard. I don't touch it. I'm just like, all right. And they always come back to me going, "Hey man, can you call your people off?" Oh, no, this is a free country. I I, I personally like what they're doing. <laughs> Let let me ask you this, man, because you you've been in the game for a minute. Could could you maybe um describe and pinpoint like a few moments, like for instance, like pretend right, like when I was when I was five years in, I realized and I learned that I needed to maybe you know chill on this and do more of this. Or ten years, I I learned I needed to do this. So when I started out, uh, I actually talked 
like this, like in my regular voice. If you see my show now, I don't. I'm, it's very much up and amplified. Um, and uh, I also, I, I went for a lot of shock. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 21. And I went for a lot of shock or whatever. And some of that would work, what they, they just, but it, it wasn't really turning into much. Uh, I went to go do a show at the showcase. And he said, I'd love to work him, but he's very funny, but he's too dirty for me. And that was the first time, I think I was three years in, and that was the first time that I realized my shocky shit was costing me. Um, and so I just was like, okay, you don't have to go for shock. What else is blah, blah. Um, <laughs> I think I was a year in. Uh, no, I was about six months in when I realized that you could repeat jokes. Like, I was writing a new five minutes every Monday because that's all I thought you did. And then uh, it wasn't all great. But then I was like, okay, let's go back through some of these notebooks and see what I can keep and what I can go away. Um, I think I was about three years in because my way of writing jokes was uh, <laughs> the newspaper. Uh, the last stop was across the street from this. It shared a parking lot with this Kroger. And every Monday, because I told you I was doing New Five every Monday, I would go get a USA Today, a People Magazine, or Us Weekly. And I would just look at those stories, and I would write jokes about those stories. That was current event shit. And so then when I realized you could repeat them, I kept all that current event stuff. But then when that wasn't current anymore, I was losing material. Mm. So here I am trying to get up to where I've got a tight 30 minutes so I can go on and feature instead of it being the MC. And I never could because... People just stopped laughing at stuff because it wasn't in the news anymore, yeah. or the president would change over, and I don't have that joke anymore. And uh, so then, uh, you know, somebody told me they were like, "Just start writing about you and write write stuff that's timeless, whatever." I mean, God, I'm like five, six years in at this point before I'm like, "Oh yeah, I could just do this joke. This will be funny forever, huh?" Um, <laughs> and then uh, I think I was, I want to say it was like three or four years in. I want to say four. Um, I pretty much quit. Uh, I took like a year where I just didn't go up. Um, still had a bunch of friends that did comedy. I'd come out to the last stop and hang out, but I just didn't go on. And then uh, another thing pissed me off. Uh, I walked into the last stop and they were in the back and they were they were doing they had a, they had a list mm-hmm. of all the people who who had been doing comedy who flamed out and they were just like just over the years and they were, and my name was on that fucking list. Uh. And I don't know why, but that made me mad. <laughs> and I went on stage that night, and I was just—I was so pumped that that's when I started doing my little, yeah, 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 where it just amped up a bit, and I crushed. And I just was like, you know what? Can I just keep this up? And uh, that just kind of became my stage persona. Mm. And I mean, it's really—it's I say persona, but it's really just me, except I yell like I'm drunk when I'm sober now. <laughs> like you know, when you get drunk, you get louder. And you just kind of, I'm like that all the time on stage and have some, I'm not even, I haven't even started drinking yet. I'm just like, yeah, no, I just, this is how I do things. And it's weird because like a lot of times you do radio interviews and they're like, give me a question that'll lead into one of your jokes. And I do, and then they want me to do it. But now we're in a tiny closed in room and they got headphones. I'm like, bro, if I do this the way I do my jokes, I'll blow out your fucking eardrops. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, so when they're they like, asked, why is he stepping back? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's so reserved now. He's in the corner of the room. Yeah. Oh, I get that too, where people, uh, they come to my shows, they see me on stage, and they're like, let's go out and have a couple of drinks afterwards or whatever. And then afterwards, they're like, you're nothing like what you are on stage. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. It's still in here. Yeah. I'm just like, 
You understand? If I talk like that all day, every day, my voice would be more hoarse yeah. than it is you gotta right now. Yeah, conserve that. Yeah. yeah. It's like a stylistic, like, performance choice, basically. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it works. And it's funny because once that's that's one of the hardest things in stand up is, all right, man, this is the way, this is my delivery, this is how I'm going to do things, whatever. And then when you finally get there, you set on that. And I've, I've been told it takes a minimum of five years to do it. I, I'm, it might have been. Probably around five, but I think eight was when I was comfortable in it. But once you get like, okay, cool, this is the way I'm gonna do it. Like you see Hannibal Burris, mm-hmm. he has his little delivery. Once you get to where you find, okay, this is this is my delivery, this is my persona, this is how I'm gonna set it. Everything becomes light years easier because now you start writing in that voice. So as the words are going on the paper, that's what you hear mm-hmm. in your head. Instead of before you have that. You're like, okay, how do I say this? Like, do I want to yell this part or do I want to say this part quietly? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? But then once you have in your head, it's like, okay, this is the way I run shit. This is the way I go. As you're writing, <clears throat> that's what you hear. Oh, that's genius. And, that's a little nugget of knowledge right there. Yeah, and yeah. that's what you hear, and it's so much easier. Just like when you hear uh, someone's distinct style, whether it's like a Chris Rock, Cat Williams, or, or, or even Hannibal. Like, a good, or, good point. Yeah, or that? even like Kevin Hart's delivery, like, you know, he has his voice or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you can already start hearing how Cat Williams would approach a subject. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And but, dude, when I watch one of those specials, like a, a Kevin Hart, or, or like those guys who, they're, they're that distinct or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you watch Chappelle or one of the, afterwards, man, I'm not sitting down to write jokes for like a week. Because I hear his voice in my head. You know what I mean? It's not me that I hear anymore. I I hear, yeah, nigga, I'm going on. I'm like, no, I don't fucking talk like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't I don't talk like that because especially well, like, I'll say that if your special's really good, because I think about that for a while, right? And uh but what I do here like for that week is 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 I watch when I watch comedy I, like doing comedy has almost ruined it for me because when I watch, I'm watching the way this dude walks. I'm watching when he stops walking. Um, it, it, you know, Chris Rock, that pace he does mm-hmm, across stage. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch it again. Every time he delivers a punchline, he's not moving. He's walking. Still. He's walking during setups. Mm-hmm. Every time he delivers a punchline, he's not moving. And it just when you start picking up on mechanics and shit like that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, uh, just watch Bill Burr when when Bill Burr when he puts his hand on that mic stand and he just leans and settles in. It's like you know something's coming when that hand comes off that mic stand and he does this. And he's looking at it, he's pointing at you. You're like, oh shit, here comes something. Here comes something. And then bam, he just hits you. You know, it's like Rogan. I always feel like he's calling a fight when he's doing his stand up because he sounds like he's doing the UFC commentary because he yells everything as well. Yeah, he is. Uh, when I say when I watch mechanics or shit or whatever. He's a hard one to figure out. <laughs> he's super, yeah, because he's very animated, but like he's really, very really animated, and, and and it's he does he does some things that just that seem like they're uncharacteristic of him, but then doing things that are uncharacteristic of him are characteristic of him. Yeah. So he's a he's a hard one. He's all over the place to watch. Yeah, like when he's and, talking uh, about Brock Lesnar gorilla fucking you and he gets the stool and bends it over. I'm like, all right, I didn't see that coming, but yeah, that's yeah. exactly Man, what which I would special picture. was that? Uh, I think it was Rocky Mountain High. Oh, okay. That last one though, God, that last one was so good. That's yeah. when he did the Bruce Jenner and the Kanye thing. I like, think yeah, and but like, that's Bruce. the one where yeah, 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 Bruce. Yeah. That was the one where he did the thing about wrestling is gay. 
Nah, I don't remember. That, that might part. have been on the one before that. <laughs> Maybe, that but part. the wrestling is gay. That that it killed. <laughs> he's like, have you watched this before? He's like, the guy's wearing leather boots and trunks, and he's on a leather mask, and he goes anywhere besides that ring. Somebody <laughs> shows up wearing that outfit, then that is suck dicks. <laughs> and, and I just, it's it, that's one of the things I love about him is that like that's simple. He he could have been like, yeah, anybody who shows up like that. Well, but some guys would overthink it and they try to make a funny face or whatever, let the audience finish it. No, he just came out and said it as simple as possible. But because of his delivery, it's still out of the fucking part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like watching him. Good stuff. I do. All right, so I say it kind of ruined it for me, but it, it's it's as a fan, I still I still got my guys. There's still those little specials that wow me. Um, but yeah, it's it's also I'm because sometimes I'll miss jokes because I'll see a dude like if he turns around or if he does something like this, I'm like, okay, why is he turning it around? Like when when he decided that that's gonna be the movement for this joke, why did he do this? What then when he comes back around, he fucking does whatever whatever the punchline is. The crowd goes nuts, and I'm like, I'm sitting there diagnosing shit. I didn't see the setup, so I don't know why the fuck y'all going nuts in the first place. So I gotta go back ten yeah. seconds on Netflix, and then I gotta yeah. go watch it again. Have you seen anybody recently for both of y'all that like surprised you at how funny a bit was? Like, there's more and more bits going around social media now of different performers. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw one of Trevor Noah, and I've never seen any of Trevor Noah's stand up, <clears throat> and it was it was fucking hilarious. It took me like five minutes to actually laugh because the setup was so long, but it was really funny. He's ten times better of a stand up than he is on the Daily Show. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He 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 got the Daily Show because he was selling out stadiums oh, okay. over in Europe, man. That, that that in Europe, yeah. Yeah, that kid's funny. I heard um well, I heard most of his audio book, so his story is pretty interesting. But I heard that there's like a documentary or something on YouTube that shows like his mom even got shot in the head because something what? about he was blowing up that much. Like they don't know who did it, it was jealousy or something. Wow. But they just said he just stormed like in South Africa, like the comedy scene took it by storm, was like like a phenomenon. Yeah, he's got a Mexican Jedi story that's so funny. Wait, I need to I need to do a little bit of homework on him. Um, <clears throat> shit, going back to uh, I think I talked about it last episode. The topics that Andrew Schultz was tackling mm-hmm. uh, that what I saw him at the Improv talking about abortion, rape, um, shit. Uh, I mean, I, I I'd have to probably go through my phone because I text my girl. I'm like, man, he's talking about abortion, rape, female <laughs> circumcision, um, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and, and I was just like, damn, he's he's thinking about. He's sitting down thinking about these big topics. And yeah. I'm like, I'm over here talking about my kids and yeah. my wife. But uh, Phases. Everybody goes through those phases, right? The family phase. Well, you know it's what, just no. different stylistic you know, yes. choices, right? Yeah, it's, it's, well, I mean, like Tosh. I was not to interrupt, but I think of Tosh where somebody interrupts him. He's like, wouldn't it be funny if somebody raped her right now? And the crowd goes wild. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can get away with anything. I love um, Tosh. The biggest surprise I've gotten in recent years uh Cause I knew he did stand up, but I thought he kind of dabbled in, and I thought he's more of a sketch guy or whatever. Cause of SNL, uh, Michael Che, that Michael Che Matter special, I had no idea he was that good. Mm. Um, have you seen it? He's che, like sitting on the stool most of the time. Or am I tripping? No, uh, he stands. Yeah. He stands, but he's 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 leaned on the mic stand. He got his foot on the stool. He looks like he's just sitting there chilling on a corner. Um, <laughs> but dude, you know he's he's the weekend update guy. He's the head writer on SNL now. Um, but I, I didn't know, I, I had heard he did stand up, but you know, a lot of those SNL guys, you, you hear them do stand up and then they, yeah. yeah. And then you see it, you're like, eh, yeah. you're an SNL guy. Yeah. You're not a stand up though. When, they, and honestly, I tuned into it 
to make fun of. I was like, here comes another SNL dude trying to do stand-up. Two minutes in, I was like, this motherfucker's crushing. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's really good. I saw him live at, uh, fuck, is it like Warehouse Live? Uh-huh. He did this experiment where he rode through a bunch of, um, like, off-the-grid, third-party venues, like, not comedy clubs, like, standing, where you would normally see, like, a rock band. I thought it was an interesting experiment. And his special's kind of like that. There's a DJ and a band Yeah, Cypher Sounds. Yeah, Cypher yeah. Sounds, DJ. <clears throat> so, yeah, it, that, that one, that was the biggest surprise to me. I was like, I didn't know this dude was that good. Um, uh, the last one I just watched, I, I, I can't say it was a surprise because she's always been great, but Wanda's newest one was really, really good. I need to watch uh, that. Yeah, it's good. She uh she goes she goes in heavy on Trump, but I'm like, you know what, man? It is that's my buddy when he, he 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 told me he was like, You should watch it, it's good. He's like, But there's a lot of Trump stuff. I'm like, She's a gay black woman. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> to her it's a big deal. So of course she went heavy on Trump. Yeah, makes sense, right? So overall, man, um do you feel like uh Shit, I mean, we talked about this last episode, but, like, Houston's good for a lot of stuff, but entertainment, comedy, being L.A.-based or back and forth, you have access to different stuff, huh? Um, I have access to different stuff. Uh, is I feel like when you say, you, at, the, at the top, you said that I was a staple of this comedy scene, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been around in Houston for so long like you know people know me here and like i can walk into a room and they will just put me on stage whatever mm-hmm. um i feel like i needed to go to la and i needed to go get knocked down a peg and i needed to fight and get stage time or whatever i needed to go back to that to remember how much i liked it you mm-hmm. know what i mean like that because those were you know when the carrot was dangling out in front of your face it was motivation i'm gonna keep running i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna get that shit right in Houston, it got real easy for me to get real fucking lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it just got that way. And so in LA now, it's it's one of those, you know, uh, I, I I don't I don't keep saying things piss me off because I'm just I'm not that much of a hothead, but I am. Um, you know, sometimes I go out to a show, man. It's a good show, good crowd, and you watch eight people go up and five of them suck. Mm. And immediately, I'm just like, who runs this fucking show? Who mm-hmm. runs this fucking show? And I'll just, I'll walk right up to it and be like, what do you need to see from me? To, for me to get on the next one of these. You know what I mean? Like, what do you need to see? And I'll come back, and I'll, I'll, it might take me months, but I'll come back and I'll do it. And I'm just like, yeah. Because I felt motivated. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it wasn't me running around. I'm not running around with LA with a bunch of people who already know me and who already like, oh yeah, man, he's established, he's good. No, I'm running around with people who don't know who the hell I am, and I got that novelty of being an out of towner. October, I would have been living in LA for three years. Anybody who talks to me because I'm on the road so much, anybody who talks to me, I tell them I just moved there. <laughs> I lie my ass off. <laughs> and when, how long you been in LA? Oh, dude, I just moved here. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I just. Walk into a room, crush, and then afterwards, hey man, let me get your number. Let me let's hang out, blah blah. blah let's mm-hmm. talk, and, and uh, you know, and what hurts me is that I'm always out on the road. I'm always out moving around because I'll make these connects, and then you leave, and like the person who runs that room, they got 300 comps coming out of a week. 
So then I come back a month later. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And they're like, yeah, bro, I'm kind of I'm kind of full up, whatever. All right. But the thing is also, man, a lot of people in L.A. are flaky. A lot of people will book themselves for multiple nights at once. If there's a room that you like going to, just, just go hang out. If they know you, just go hang out. Somebody will not show up. Mm. And I just, oh, <laughs> looks like you happen to have extra time. They're like, yeah. Sam, get in there. Got it. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I can relate to the uh, getting complacent at home thing because while we were out there, it was like run and gun, like finite time. Yes. We're only here for a month. So it was like, <clears throat> it was exhausting, you know, taking them acting classes, rehearsing three hours a day with the classmates on that, uh, doing like spots, shows, actual tour stops like Oxnard, Ontario, Hollywood Improv. And then um, getting invited to do shit like, hey, get on my podcast or hey, radio interview popped up to promote X, Y, Z. And before you know it, you're just like, fuck, I haven't seen my wife really. Like, man, these kids, you know. Like, <laughs> bye, Dad. Where you going? I gotta, man. I gotta go cross town to go do this thing. Um, I gotta get you another stroller. Yeah, we gotta buy <laughs> these strollers, baby. Uh, so the contrast is at home, and I'm already kind of feeling it because last night I didn't, I didn't hit no mic or did nothing. But it's, it's one thing I noticed in my LA experience, you know, month of June, is uh, depending on the situation or the scenario, like. Okay, you're going up before this guy and after this guy. What's this guy going to talk about? Okay, he's going to talk about his kids and stuff. This guy's going to talk about some Mexican stuff. All right, let me cut out all my kids' family stuff. Let me cut out all my, like, cultural novelty Mexican stuff. You see, you're right about that on one part. Okay, the, okay. Guy, the guy who goes up before you, uh-huh. cut that out. If the guy who goes behind you, if he's got that or whatever, that's his fucking problem. <laughs> But he's headlining, and he's my boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would try to like, See, yeah, no, step on people's material. Well, the thing is, there's so many shows in L.A. aren't set up like that. It's just like everybody's doing 10, blah, 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 and it's not a, it's, they, they, it's rare that I get on an open or feature headliner show. You know what I mean? So when it's, when it's set up in that showcase format, and every one of us has got seven minutes, if you behind me, you behind That's me. I don't you. give a fuck. You got to adjust. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. I want to do my Trump stuff and you got seven minutes of Trump stuff back, that's not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my point is you got to have a variety and you have to have like an ample amount of material to where you can adapt and, in, you know, improvise and, okay, I'm dropping that, rearrange this, or I got stuff about that, or, oh, he just did that? Okay, let me take that out. But it's a reminder to like keep writing, keep digging, and keep looking for stuff because, you know, especially on them showcase shows, if you done heard three people do touch on the same subject and you got something also, it's like, man, that lets you know either you're not that like, oh, I'm hacky because I'm talking about the same shit, not, not you know, per se, but just like, hey, keep digging and keep finding ways to stand out and differentiate so that you can stand out. Like um, even that one particular lineup I was talking about, like it was all Hispanic dudes. So it's like all dudes... Like, and there's no female in there, and we're all pretty much Mexican. Yeah. So it's like, please find a way to stand out. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, give us something that we didn't see yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, look, I, I've done it before. Like, three dudes go up talking about how much they hate Trump. I go up right behind them talking about how much I love them. Yeah. I just, I just, yeah. And, 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 I, and I don't, but my thing is always, I'm like, dude, you may hate him, but he's funny. He's yeah. fucking funny. Go on, man. He's fucking funny. And I do shit like that or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm still going to, I'm still going to, I'm still going to go in at it, but I'll take the opposite standpoint just for fun. Um, and the other thing is like you said, if three dudes go up and they hit the same subject, especially if you see one that's better than what you had, 
don't roll yours out. You know what I mean? Is but if three guys go and touch on the subject and they got it, got it, and you're like, well, I have a better punchline than all yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Dude, I will not only go on and do it, I will do it, it will crush, and I will look over at all the comics and be like, that's how you do that joke. <laughs> uh, I'll do it. Uh, and, it's, it's, and I'm from Texas, bitch. <laughs> and like some comics will think it's a cocky thing, but it's not. I'm not doing that to talk shit on y'all. I'm doing that as an extra punchline for them. You know got what I mean? Because the, the second I started into that topic or whatever, they were in there. They were sitting there going, "Another guy talking about yeah. this shit." And then when I crush with it, I go, "That's how it's done." And the crowd be like, "Yeah!" And I'm like, "Yeah." See, I yeah, just, yeah. I'm not, I'm not talking shit about y'all. I'm, I'm just, I'm buttering them up to where yeah. the next thing I say that's really offensive, they're already on my side. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, man. We're definitely gonna keep, uh, keep in touch, keep an eye on you. Everybody, make sure you follow on Instagram at Mischief and Milkshakes. Yes. And uh, but Google Sam Demaris D E M A. R-I-S. R-I-S. And uh, we'll have you back, man, next time you're in town. want to talk, dig into, like, the theater stuff and everything. But um, thank you for coming, man. And uh, Absolutely, have bro. fun and, and keep fucking killing it. And, you know, keep wowing these audiences, man. Cool, bro. Thank you. Thank you for yeah, coming. Man. Absolutely. For sure. I will see you in L.A. as well.